0: Everyone, welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel with Elias Randall. Elias, life is getting more expensive by the day.
1: Sometimes it feels like by the minute it's getting more expensive.
0: Well, for you, you added, yeah, a, you added a third true. one. So you're, you know, whether you realize it or not, but your outlay just increased diapers and more I food try, eventually, I try not to think about activities. it. I just want to get through it. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. But a recent study actually did show that 32% of Americans are struggling to pay their everyday bills. And I don't think that's surprising to anybody that the cost of goods has gone up, the cost of housing and shelter has gone up, the cost of cars have gone up. It It's exponentially getting more expensive to live today. And, um, you know, as people start to... See the increased cost of everyday living; it gets really hard to deal with inflation.
1: And people do not; people really despise inflation. Like that's really what I've been. That's a take I've gotten the last um, the last year or so. Because what for the last 20, 25 years we've had relatively mild and just the normal two to three percent inflation, and everyone was fine with that. And then now, once inflation got over eight percent and over nine percent. People just, I think the two things in finance that people dislike the most is inflation and taxes. I think those are the two things that people dislike the most.
0: They dislike most inflation. They really like their housing inflation if they own a home. They're super happy
1: people with inflation.
0: People like that. But outside of that, people are not thrilled with inflation. And part of it is, it's right in everybody's face. Whereas the first place we saw inflation, gas pump, food your energy bills were more like, it's all the stuff that you use every single day. It's not the price of cars went up because the, you buy a car, what every three to eight years, depending upon what you do. So you're not, you don't have the car in your face every single day. You don't buy a house every single day. You don't lease or rent another housing place every single day, but you buy groceries every week. You pay your phone bill every month. You pay, you put gas in your car every week. So The inflation we're referring to is right in people's face every single day. And we've been so used to 2% inflation that we haven't, I mean, my generation, I've never dealt with it.
1: I never have either. So it's just kind of, and what are you going to do, starve? Like, oh, my food's going up because of inflation. Well, you're you're still going to eat. You have to. You're still going to go out and buy your groceries and eat. So there's just, there's a lot of it you can't control and you just have to deal with it. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality.
0: Okay, I got a question for you. Okay. Are people going to cancel their subscription services to Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV? Or are they going to start cutting back on food? Which way do you think it's going to go?
1: People, subscriptions are one of the last things people are going to cut out, I think. I think people are so, people like having all those things, the different apps, the different streaming services. Um, and I think when people look at it, if you, I don't, cause I don't think people look at that as like a total amount of money. They just look at each one individually and each one individually isn't that much. And I don't, I, I just with how entertainment is brought to people now and the way people like to interact with social media and all those things, I don't think people want to give up subscription services. They won't,
0: they won't cut it. I mean, Number one, subscription services have become systemic. And what I mean by that is in 2008, 2009, people didn't stop paying their cable bill. They're not going to stop paying. Can't stop paying your Internet bill today. If you don't have Internet, you're not connected, which basically means you're out of society. I think the last thing people are going to cancel outside of, you know, Netflix lost two million subscribers last quarter. Most of those are from Russia. It wasn't U.S. subscribers. People aren't getting rid of this stuff. They'd have no form of entertainment. I don't know what the percentage is, but outside of people over 60 years old, none of my friends have cable TV. They're not going to using streaming. They're using streaming. So what happens all of a sudden, our internet is systemic to our survival. how, How do people survive without internet today? They don't. It's virtually impossible to not have a computer or a phone. How would you operate your life? I'm sure there's some people that do it. That's not even very, a, very, very difficult
1: for us. It's, that's not even an option. That's we couldn't even consider it considering the business we're in and the, the type of work.
0: And what got me, that me asking that question is there's a study out Elias that said two thirds of consumers said they will have to decrease their spending. Only a quarter of those plan to cancel their subscriptions.
1: And I, I guess when, when I think through this, I just think, OK, if I have to cut back and let's just be extreme. On this example, well, let's say you have you you make you're making a low income. You don't have any money. Well, if you have one device and internet, you can have entertainment. And why? And okay, if you all these other things you don't have, well, don't you at least want some entertainment? Like maybe watch a movie, even if you're watching on your phone. Watch on your phone. Watch a sporting event. Go on social media. So I just think it's such a, a, a um, entertainment and how people entertain themselves now. It's just coming to your phone, to a tablet, whatever you have. And why would you give that up?
0: Well, here's why. It's harder to cancel a subscription than it is to f- cut back on food. If you think about cutting back on food or what you spend at the grocery store, you could. there's some easy switches there. You can just flip from brand name to generic. Instead of buying beef, you buy pork or chicken. You can easily like say, hey, I'm gonna go to the grocery store and spend less. Instead of buying the ten dollar hummus, you buy the two dollar hummus. Instead of buying the brand name chips, you buy the generic chips. Well, there is no generic Netflix. You know, you you're not gonna buy less Hulu and get more YouTube. Like it just doesn't work that way. People aren't gonna give we're so connected. People I think people would be surprised what their screen time is in the phone. I know how much my screen time has went up over the last two years.
1: My phone sends me a weekly report of my screen it's time. astronomical how much. Yeah, sometimes it's just, it's mind I was looking I at it, but, think, but then I started. How did that even happen?
0: Okay, so here's the other thing. Like, we see that as bad. Is it actually bad? Because I know what I'm doing on that phone.
1: Some, for, me, just, for me, some of it's bad, some of it's not. Some of it's the equivalent to reading the newspaper.
0: I read more now. Than I did 15 years ago without the phone, because every day I'm probably reading 20 to 25 financial articles because it pops up on my screen.
1: And it only takes, what, two, two, three minutes to read a whole article. Yeah, I may
0: not read the whole thing. I'll just scan through it, but I'll catch the headlines. Yeah. If I'm interested, I want to read it. Or I'm watching a podcast about our industry. Like, I'm actually getting educated from it. We can see media as this nasty device, and there's some things that aren't good about it. But I think people probably read more now than they ever have. Maybe they don't pick a book up, but they're reading more news articles. They're becoming more educated about things. One of the things that really took me from this is um, the average consumer spends $135 a month on subscription services. And they pull, this is the National Research Group, they pull 2,500 adults, $135. I remember when I first decided I was gonna do streaming, it was because it was gonna be a lot less expensive than cable
1: and it was i i adopted um youtube tv like really early when it came out and it was a great deal when it first came out it was much cheaper than cable and you had you could record as much as you want so it was great but that's not true anymore
0: it's not true here's why i have hulu at my house well the problem with hulu is it makes you stream all the the devices on tvs you have to stream off that IP, off that IP address at your house. I can't come to the office and stream Hulu here
1: Who's on my TV. Mobile.
0: I can on my computer, but not on my TV. Oh. So when I had you know down when I go to Missouri, I had to get YouTube TV. So now I have Hulu, I have YouTube TV. I've got Apple TV, I've got Netflix, Amazon Prime. Pretty soon, I'm spending more. Than I would have on cable. So the transition now is convenience and accessibility versus, Hey, this is less money because that's what it was in the beginning.
1: Yes. And you're, you're spending more on TV now than when you had a cable bill. Yeah. And I said, 15 I, years ago. And
0: I don't have the, and I don't have the NFL ticket.
1: And no NFL. ticket. Think
0: about that. No ticket for all of that. So the problem with subscriptions, they become really sneaky because we, we talked about this. I think the last episode, maybe two episodes ago, I was talking about my hunting apps like you sign up and forget you sign up. I'll give you a, this is a great one. I signed up for a seven day trial of a St. Louis based business subscription. Like to a, to like a it was like their business inside or something from St. Louis. Cause I was doing some research on a particular topic, actually a developer. I was researching him. Guess what? I forgot to cancel it. Guess what? The annual bill was. Two hundred? Hundred and forty-nine bucks. I
1: paid it. Can't get your money back.
0: 149. I forgot to cancel it. If it's happening to me, it's happening to people all around. So the other day, hunting season comes around. I'm like, man, I haven't used Huntwise forever. And I haven't used this map forever. So I started going through my subscriptions and started killing them one at a time. It was a few hundred dollars in annual subscriptions I saved. That I hadn't touched the button in a couple of years, but we're on automatic renewal. And this study shows that over 50% of the people underestimate their subscri- subscription bill. They think it's a, by a hundred dollars. They underestimate it by a hundred dollars.
1: I can see that because you don't really, unless you add it up, you're just thinking of, okay, I have this, this, and this. I know they cost about this, but one, did you even remember all the subscriptions you had? It's like not possible, like the one you accidentally paid for, for a year. How many people out there have one they accidentally paid for? Now they don't remember it. Um, Yeah. And it just, it adds up. It's, we talk about it a lot with lifestyle and stuff. It's, there's some lifestyle things that aren't like big picture items. Sometimes it's a lot of really small stuff, but when you add it up, it's a significant amount of money into your budget, your spending and your savings and all that.
0: I think most people, they're not broke because they buy big things. You're conscious of a big purchase. You buy a car, you buy a house, you're conscious of that decision. People are broke because they nickel and dime themselves to death. Yeah. It's $8 coffees. And I'm not, hey, if you want a coffee, we've talked about this. Have a coffee, but be aware of what you're spending. This right here is just the greatest example. 5% of the people underestimate their subscriptions by $400. Well, you start adding up $400 over 15 or 20 years. It's a lot of money. And And now you have inflation coming in. Like This is the easiest way for people to save some money. Cut the subscriptions. And here's why it's easy to just renew these things. They're a dollar ninety nine a month. They're four ninety nine. I have kids stuff on here. Like my daughter wants Crayola because she likes to play with the Crayola app or this Epic app, which is like a learning based app that they had at summer school. Well, am I gonna cut that out? I could. Does she really need it? Could she read a regular book? Yeah. Yeah. But we do it because it's convenient. Well, Um,
1: overall, so just the overall theme of this segment, Americans are less likely to cancel subscriptions than cut spending on food. I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, even myself and how many other people, I mean, I know for a fact I could cut down my food bill and still eat what I needed to eat every day. Everyone's been there and everyone's done it. How many people as a college student you had – like some milk in your fridge, peanuts and ramen noodles and maybe a pack of hot dogs. You can all that stuff's pretty cheap and you can survive on it. So there's there's ways that it's and I would do the same. If for me, if I'm looking at my budget and I'm thinking, okay, do I cut back on my subscriptions from entertainment? Or do I just not buy, you know, ribeye steaks and the things I really like and other and all the produce is more expensive now. Or can I cut my food bill just by going, getting a gallon of whole milk, a thing of peanuts, some hot dogs, and some ramen noodles? I'm probably going to make that decision. That'd be an easy one for me. I've ate all that before. I could do it again.
0: If you look around America, you can just look at Americans and you can see that they could come back at the grocery store. Because we're as obese as we've ever been. Very few people are what we would call a healthy weight you know, diabetes is going up. Just all those things. It's all because of a bad diet. So yeah, we could cut the food. And I see why people say they could cut the food first. People are conscious of their bad food habits, but well, it's so are. rewarding when you have it that you keep doing it. Sugar's like a drug. Yeah. When you have it, you want you crave more. And guess what? Sugar's delicious. Who doesn't like chocolate? Who doesn't like candy? But if it's the difference between <laughs> entertaining myself. Or the candy, I'll take the entertaining myself.
1: I will, too. I, I have sufficient reserve for food, so I can cut back a little bit.
0: Okay, so I forwarded you this article yesterday. No, it was last week, Elias. Uh, it was on, I think it was Think Advisor Again, they always seem to have some good stuff. But there was a new paper put out that says young people shouldn't save for retirement. And I just dropped my jaws trying to figure this out. And I, I read the article. I want to get your opinion on it, but... It was done by the Journal of Portfolio Management and Research, and they basically said young people don't need to save for retirement.
1: So reading through the article, I see where they're coming from, the lens they're looking at it, but I don't agree with it because they're talk, you know they're talking about modeling, lifestyle. I think there's a lot of things that they're overlooking. I think an an easy one to point out is because they're saying you don't really need to start saving until you're closer to the middle of your career. So just the basic fact of that, you're making more money, so maybe you can afford to have a higher savings rate. Well, usually you start to enter that part of your career. And what else happens? Getting married, starting a family, and starting saving early helps with those future expensive when expenses just when your life becomes more expensive. So I can see where they're coming from if you look at this from just like a total lifestyle model as they're talking about like how they analyze this. I don't think it's realistic. I think that's the issue. It's not realistic for someone to to plan the way they're saying when you can be when you can be 22 years old and start a job and like just save a hundred bucks a month, invest a hundred bucks a month. And that's going to do get you started and then increase it as you go. And then as you get into your prime earning years, if your savings rate is appropriate, you're doing both. You're saving and living your lifestyle that you want to have.
0: This so. is a great example of how anybody can skew any data they want and make any argument they really want. Because here, here's why. They assume that low income workers are going to become high income earners and if they always remain low income workers the part of the study says they'll receive higher social security benefits the, we're relying on social security once again what 25 year old believes are getting social security today that's the number one flaw in this they re, they assume they're getting these full social security be- benefits today
1: yeah and that's and not
0: it is so far, out of the parameters of what I think is reasonable for people to do, they are setting people up for for failure. If you take this advice, what you're doing is saying, "Yep, you don't need to save." Good example of this: when you look at research, people gravitate towards the research that they want to believe. And I'll give you a good example where sometimes the data doesn't tell the whole story. And in Dave Ramsey. Buys into this too, and here's why I'm going to use it. There's really two primary ways to get out of debt: the debt avalanche and the debt snowball. Which one makes more financial sense?
1: The debt, the debt avalanche. The debt avalanche because you start by paying your highest interest rate debt first. Yes. Do you know so why? On a spreadsheet and just pure financially, that's what makes the most sense.
0: I, do you know why Dave Ramsey doesn't use the debt avalanche? Because, because it's
1: too hard. It's too hard to execute. It's not that he thinks it's too hard. It doesn't reinforce behavior. It's not
0: that he thinks it's too hard. It's that there's been multiple studies out there that show people don't get enough results from the debt avalanche because you may end up starting with a credit card that has an $18,000 balance on it. and It takes you a year to pay it off. When you do the debt snowball, you can get instant reward and people are stimulated by reward. So if you have a $300 credit card and you knock it out, you feel good about it you feel great
1: there's positive reinforcement and so, you're conditioning a new good behavior
0: so while this right here this article in general maybe there's some analysis behind why it might be correct it doesn't make financial sense for people to wait saving wait to save they're missing out on the eighth one of the world compound interest you know when the best time to save was Ten years ago, there you go. Years ago, Yesterday, years ago, it's like planting a tree. So I think that it's really, really, really dangerous information to people for people to go read this and then say, "Oh yeah, I don't need to save." It's a convenient excuse to not do anything.
1: And my other thought on this is, you know, we cover such an array of topics, but in general, I think the one thing that keeps people from having Success in their savings, investing and building wealth is the first step of getting started. So to me, any sort of, I will never, you can model it and do all these things. I'm never going to agree with someone making a blanket statement that young people shouldn't save for retirement or any sort of long-term savings. Because the number one thing is if you make it a priority and you get started, well, now you're building a habit. And it's much easier to take a good habit and build on it than, than to just start a new habit. Once it's established, you're going to have a lot more success. So I don't, yeah, I, I disagree with this. I don't think, and the other part of me is if you're making money, getting started in your career, like isn't saving some money just kind of the adult thing to do? Like just, isn't that just simply just, I should, that's, the responsible
0: thing to do This is just promoting poor behavior. Like like, yep, yep, you don't have a save. And here's the problem. They think people are just going to s- flip the switch. As they become a low-income earner to a high- income earner, they'll save a higher percentage of their income. No, they won't.
1: Yeah, that's not reality. If that
0: was reality, we would not have a saving we would not have a retirement crisis today. Here's what I can tell you: if you save 10 percent when you're 30. You're probably just gonna keep saving 10% when you're 55. You know how hard it is? People get a pay raise. What's the first thing they do? I get a little bit more lifestyle. People don't think of it that way. They don't say I got a pay raise, let's save 3% more. They oh, I got more lifestyle. It just ingrains bad decisions. And you know the other thing it doesn't do? It doesn't provide flexibility for you in the future. If you start at 25 and you wake up when you're 40 and you haven't saved anything, you know how you're gonna feel? You're going to feel behind.
1: Yeah, and you have a much larger hill to climb at that point.
0: And so you have to save two or three times as much money of your own money to get to the same place than if you started when you're 25.
1: Right, and if you're not saving, how do you accomplish that at that point?
0: Every year you wait, you are actually taking away from your lifestyle in the future because you have to save more to catch up. Every year you wait, you're diminishing your future lifestyle. So if people want a great lifestyle when they're 50 years old, Start saving early. I can show you example after example after example of people who come in this office. You know what they tell me? I wish I would have saved sooner. No one's ever come in here in 20 years and said, boy, I wish I wouldn't have saved what I did when I was 25.
1: That'll never happen.
0: It'll never you, no, happen no because one's that's ever not make that comment. Yeah, that's You know just... what people come in and say? I'm 48 years old. I haven't saved anything. I feel like I'm behind the eight ball. And you are. And now you didn't turn into a high income earner for you to even remotely retire on anything close to what you're earning. Now you're going to have to save 20, 25% of your paycheck. And guess what? You can't do it because you're already spending it all on your lifestyle. Like no one's going to make yeah. that switch.
1: And that's right. And then at that point, that's like a major, that's, that's a major overhaul at that point. It's not just like, okay, well let's do some tweaking and let's maybe, get you some good advice and start executing some strategies. I mean, at that point you just like, you, you gotta tear everything
0: apart. And the other thing, if you take this strategy or you're not gonna save, you're wasting the number one commodity that we all have. The most valuable commodity in the world is time. You're wasting it, you're giving it away because some article told you you don't need to save and you didn't think this through. This is one of the most dangerous articles I've seen, that's just my, my opinion, I, I think this is horrible horrible advice for people. Hey, Elias, I don't know if you remember this, but back in May, I um, I was watching Mad Money with Jim Cramer and he was on, I think, I don't remember the other show, but one of the morning shows. And he made a comment about what it was going to take to slow down the housing market. So I'm going to ask Jim, what's it going to take? And if you don't know Jim Cramer, he's an ex-hedge fund manager. He's on CNBC as Mad Money. And he said the way to fix housing. And this is back in May when interest rates were like mid fours, probably his exact words. F- Fed's Powell must slay these seven dragons for the market to recover. And he said interest rates need to go to seven to eight percent on mortgages to slow down the housing market. And guess where we are today? We're at seven. We're at seven percent on a 30 year mortgage today.
1: And it's happening.
0: It's happening. I, I have an article from Bloomberg. This is actually put out October 3rd. U.S. home prices now posting biggest monthly drop since 2009. So biggest correction since 2009. Home prices they were down 1.0 or 0.9 0.98 percent August from the month earlier, following a drop of 1.05 in July. So back to back months of 1 percent less. That's from Black Knight, which Black Knight does a bunch of mortgage related data, but we're starting to see it. But here's what's interesting: there's not a whole lot of inventory yet. And housing affordability is becoming one of the most difficult things to manage. And if you think about the, the situation we're in, we don't have enough inventory, which is propping up housing prices. So the, the idea is, hey, interest rates go to X, 7 8%, that'll add more inventory, but it's not happening. And you know why? People have a 3% mortgage, and they're not willing to sell their house because now they can't afford to go buy the next house at 7 and 8%. We're in a really tough spot on housing right now, um, and we'll work through it, but we have interest rates at 7%. Kramer said this is what it's going to take to slow down the market, which it is, but I don't know how fast it's slowing it down.
1: Well, the, it's slowing down, and we have I guess we've had some price decrease, but I just still feel... The prices are gonna be fairly sticky. I'm gonna give you I don't good exa- think people are gonna be willing to sell their house for less.
0: I'm gonna give you a good example of home affordability. A four hundred thousand dollar mortgage at three percent interest rate is now the equivalent of three twenty at seven percent.
1: Okay, so at three percent you could afford 400, four hundred and uh sorry, at seven. Seven it's three twenty. Three twenty.
0: So you think about That's twenty percent less. That's significant. And how do people buy homes? D- those
1: are definitely different houses. How do people
0: buy homes? The maximum they can afford. They go to the bank, they say what's the maximum I can afford. And now, here's what's really crazy. The three twenty house that they can afford that they think they're gonna get, like what what was three twenty two years ago is now five fifty.
1: Yeah, that's That that adds to the problem.
0: They're not going to go buy a new house because they're moving from a house that's not as that's nicer than what they'd be going to for the same money. So we're in a tough spot um, with interest rates. So that was the first thing Kramer said we had to do to kind of tame the inflation dragon. And this is kind of fun because we're going back to what he said in May and see how right he is. The second thing he said needs to happen is autos got to raise interest rates so that people stop taking auto loans. I think that's happening. You know, I know that I looked at getting a new vehicle and I was going to get more for my trade in Don't why I paid for it 18 months ago. And I talked to a good friend of mine who has a car dealership. He's like, well, that's over. Like that's already starting, but there's still not much inventory for auto. If you drive around the car, car lots here, there's not much on the lot. And if you think about the average car payment of 700 and, $700 and some odd dollars today, it's just getting more expensive at 7 and 8% interest rates. People are used to 0% on an auto. If you start cranking autos to 6 7%, people are going to stop buying new cars.
1: And our, we read recently, too, that auto loan repossessions are trending up. So there are people that purchased cars and borrowed money to buy them, and now they can't afford the payment. Probably, they probably just got into a payment that was too much with inflation and everything else that's going on.
0: Have you seen the TikTok video where they kind of normalized the $1,000 car payment?
1: I have not seen that. You, you
0: got to go watch it. I watched Dave Ramsey. They did a reaction video to this, Rachel Cruz and Dave Ramsey. And they're going around and like, oh, what's your car payment? Like $1,200. What's your car payment? $1,000. What's your car payment? $1,300. One guy had two car payments. They're 2500 combined. They're just
1: 2,500 a month for 2,500 a month.
0: And it also talked about how, you know, 20 years ago, your auto loan was 36 months, three years. Then it went to 48 months. Then it went to 60. There's now auto loans that are 96 months, eight year auto loans. Is there really? There's eight year auto loans. Now Can you believe that eight years to pay a car off. <laughs> That's a long time. And go look at the price of a car. Oh my gosh. You buy a new car; it's forty thousand bucks. That used to be a really nice truck. Now that gets you cloth seats.
1: So the first, the first house I ever purchased, I think I paid seventy-two thousand dollars for it. Now it wasn't a great house; it's not in a great neighborhood or anything like that. But I just graduated; it was the first place I ever bought. And there's there's plenty of vehicles on the road. That are 90000
0: or $100,000. $72,000 does not even buy I a new bu- SUV anymore. Bu-
1: I'm like, I bought a house for that but one time. So it's just, yeah, that, that's nuts. That's crazy.
0: The third that, thing Kramer said, we need to choke the inflation dragon, labor. We need the labor market to cool. And we talked about this, I think, last week's episode. Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve went three things to get inflation under control. You'd have less wealth. You'd have less income and for more people to be unemployed.
1: So do you really do you you really think wages are going to go down? I don't know that I guess right now it seems like wages continue to go up, but that's
0: they will if people are unemployed, because all of a sudden if you're unemployed and we get unemployment to four and a half percent, five percent, we're like three and a half right now, you get it to five percent. People will take jobs, not hoping for a pay increase. They just want a job.
1: Okay. So remember last year when we did, we talked about the great resignation. Yeah. How people were able to quit their job and you can negotiate and you can work from home. A lot of that stuff goes out the window pretty quick in a recession, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, that's over. (laughs) I mean, seriously, think back to 09, 2010. What did people just want? They just wanted a job. I'll never forget. you watching headlines. You had all these white collar workers who worked at banks and all these places who had to work. They're showing up at local colleges, handing their resume out to everybody they could. Today, we take all the resumes we could get. You put an ad out there to hire somebody. How many resumes are you going to get? Three.
1: I have no idea. I don't, I don't do any of we that. We can ask so Molly.
0: Here's why I know. It's not many. Um, four, Russia, invasion of Ukraine needs to stop. I, I don't think that's actually going anywhere at this point. Five, the cost of freight needs to come down. So I watched a podcast episode last week that um, container shipping and the cost to ship containers, which we don't pay for the cost of shipping, but it's passed through to the consumer. It actually starting to normalize, which is good for the overall supply chain, that shipping and container costs are starting to normalize.
1: That is a good thing. That means we can get our, good pla- our goods places. For a less inflated price, right?
0: Six, airfares. Plane tickets tickets need to get so expensive that people travel less. Traveling is really expensive right now. Airfare is expensive. I remember, you know, I have those clients down in New Orleans. You get a ticket for three, 400 bucks. It's like $1,000 to get a ticket. People are going to travel less. You got a family of four. You're going to go on a vacation. It costs you 4000 bucks to travel. You're You'll driving. think twice.
1: You're going to drive.
0: And seven, consumer savings glut. People need to spend their pandemic savings. I don't remember the statistic, but it was in the same podcast. We're down to pre-pandemic savings levels. So I've got a chart that I pulled up here. Um, Savings rate in 2015 for American households is 7.4%. Okay. Okay. The savings rate. In
1: 2015, okay.
0: 2015. Okay. It spiked to 24.8% in June of 2020. From 15 to 24? 24.8. And I'm on st- Statista.com.
1: Yeah, which we knew We knew the savings rate spiked. We had talked about that a few times. June of 22. And, the, and sa- now we're back down to the.
0: No, June of tw- it's even worse. June of 2022, we're down to 5.1. Which means people have spent all their savings. They're actually saving less.
1: Yeah, that's probably a byproduct of inflation. When when Things you're more expensive, when
0: you're inflate, when your savings is gone, where's the next place you're going to go if you are going to keep your lifestyle? Credit card. Credit card or don't spend. People are going to go to the credit card until they do what? They max it out, and now they got an eighteen percent interest rate. They can't get out from underneath. Then they're going to stop spending because they don't have it to spend, and that's happening. If people have spent their savings rate, they're not going to give up their coffee. They're not going to give up the niceties of life. They're too used to it. Humans get used to things. We, it's not comfortable to give up the things that we like. So right. they'll go in debt. And then we're going to have a problem. But this already shows people are spending their pre pandemic income. So I think and, and what's. What in, number was that on there? Uh, we're at 5.1%. Is no,
1: it, what number was it on the list of the seven things?
0: That was number seven. So Elias says every domino falls, we're getting one step closer to inflation easing off, which should help our overall markets at some point. If people are looking for help like on how to navigate these markets, what we think is going to happen, you can always go to btwellshow.com and click get started. We'd be happy to reach out and contact you. Do you have any other closing comments for today's show, Elias?
1: Uh, yeah, my closing remarks would be... I think we are starting to see some positive things, like regarding inflation and all that. But I mean, that's gonna, to me, that's gonna be the key. It's been the key all year. It's going to be the key until it's it's done with. Um, And as far as markets and all that goes, probably not gonna see sentiment turn that much until we get back to normal inflation. That's just kind of where I'm at right now.
0: I want to thank everybody for listening. If you want to check us out, you can go to btwellshow.com.